episode four, and this is going to be a real test of everyone's listening skills. Not only do we have two Scottish guys on today, but one of them is a Glaswegian. Uh, Chris Marshall, welcome to the Team on Tours Real Football Stories for the second time. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so we, we did a trial recording together in the summer, although you didn't know that was going to be a reti- trial recording at the time, and well, neither did I. Uh, oh dear. Anyway, you're a, a prolific podcaster, so at least today we've got somebody who knows what they're, uh, what they're doing. Uh, now, you've taken a, a big plunge into the world of women's football in the last little while. Uh, we're going to speak mostly about that today. Uh, so I was actually going to start by saying uh, that this is going to be the first non-Spanish football-related episode, but that's not really totally true, is it? You're a big Spanish football fan. Well, yeah, I'm a big, massive Spanish football fan, and where we're recording, take two is actually about 20 minutes from the Centro Deportivo uh, Wanda, where we're about to go and watch Atletico Madrid Femenino. So there's, there's still going to be some Spanish chatter in here. Which exactly. Is right. Such a big Spanish football fan, you've even come over to Madrid for a, a hardcore weekend of football <laughs> yeah. modesto. Where, have, where, <laughs> have, you, where have you been so far this weekend? Uh, oh, I say this pretending that I don't actually know the answer to this. <laughs> uh, so it's been this weekend has been... I'm having... A memory gap of what the very first one was. Oh, aye. So, so San Andreas, San Andreas. Uh, and then Legan is be uh, a pretty wild Uber ride out to El Alamo and then popped into the Bernabeu. And then today, obviously, after this game, we'll go and see RST Alcala as well. So, six and three days. Pretty good. Pretty good going. Pretty good going. I, I know you're, uh, you're quite big on food at the football, and I'm sure we'll come to this a little bit later on. How do the Spanish culinary offerings at the football compare to back home? Uh, I enjoy a bocadillo lomo de queso. I, I feel like there is Can't definitely, yeah. I, I feel like there's definitely a market for empanadas. Um, obviously, in Scotland, pies are a pretty big deal, part of, one pretty big part of my life as well. Uh, but I definitely feel like empanadas is, is an option that is maybe not utilised fully in Spain at the moment. I would definitely see a bit more of that at the game. Quite practical at football, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah true. absolutely. You don't really get them. Uh, bocadillos all the way, isn't it? Really? Yeah, bocadillos, a bit of caldo. Definitely a bit of caldo, yeah. Uh, anyway, time for serious business, Scottish women's football. Now, I've only got into women's football fairly recently, I would say, but I know it's something that you've been uh, interested in so, since a while back. Uh, when did you start following it, and was there something that, that kind of piqued your interest in the women's game? Uh, I mean, if I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it. Maybe the first women's game I went to was maybe about five years ago now. Um, and to be honest with you, it was the main reason for it, when I think back, is the fact that it was considerably cheaper than going to try and watch my team in the men's game. Yeah. Um, so I'm a Rangers fan, let's get that on the table. I know, but we've got the rare occurrence <laughs> of a Rangers fan and a Dundee United fan who are hopefully not going to try and beat the, beat the hell out of each other. Nah, we'll, we'll, we'll be good, we'll be fine. Maybe um, as long as we win the day, it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so... Um, Rangers at the time played just in the road from Ibrox uh, I still go to Ibrox obviously but um, on a Sunday afternoon I didn't have anything better to do so Rangers women were playing went down um, and that's kind of where it started and then I just kind of started going to more random games and then in the last kind of 12 months I've become more involved I actually work for the organisation now and have a podcast and I've become a bit of a de facto talking head for Scottish women's football which I'm still trying to get my head around a little bit if I'm being Brilliant, totally eh? honest Oh, absolutely brilliant, yeah. Uh, what for you would you say are like, the most attractive aspects of women football in general? Is there something that stands out that maybe you don't necessarily get in the men's game that's a bit different from the men's game? I know we've talked before about not constantly comparing with, with men's football, but I guess there are some things that are maybe 
yeah, you know, I mean, to differentiate. Yeah, I, th- I think it's hard, as you say, we, we've tried not to talk about it too much, but it's hard not to because it's, it's a comparison that everybody makes. Yeah. I, th- I think probably for me, the, the big thing with it is its accessibility. Uh, and I mean, it's easy, to, it's easy enough, not necessarily, we'll be talking about this a little bit later as well, but in terms of actually when you're at a game, you have access to the players, they have a really close connection with the fans. It's very family friendly, I think that'd be one thing. Um, yeah. We are both obviously in our 30s now, getting older. Giving away our secrets. And it's probably not necessarily directed for us and our mates it's probably a fair thing to say yeah. um, though you, you obviously can go there's absolutely nothing stopping you you can still do the same match day routines I think just maybe when you get to a game expect things to be maybe a little softer is probably a, is a good word for it I think that's yeah I mean that, that was that was my experience of the uh, the Atletico Madrid uh, women's game and the, who played against Barcelona and that was the obviously the world record attendance for a domestic league game, and that was one of the things that really stood out for me is that it's a, you know it's much less edgy kind of atmosphere. It's a, it's, a, it's a nicer kind of atmosphere, and that can I guess that can go both ways, can't it? That you want that passion, you want that yeah, I mean, drive, but the, you want it yeah. I mean, to there's, be civil. A, there's still a bit of a novelty seeing a, a fan getting quite passionate about it. Yeah. Um, and I I mean I like to see it. You like it's of part of the atmosphere. And I think what I'm very interested about the game that we are going to in, in an hour is whether or not that atmosphere is going to be a bit more intense because it's in the home venue and it's, yep. it's a big game. So we're interested to see how that pans out. But yeah, I think it's a, a softer environment to introduce. And I think it's probably very good for children. I think if you're going to entry level, you don't want to pay 20 quid for your son daughter to go and not watch the game, then this is a good way of doing it. Yeah. Now, just back to the Scottish women's scene. So you mentioned, obviously, that you're involved uh, in Scottish women's football. So I wanted to ask you just a, bit, a little bit about how Scottish women's football is structured. I know there's the SWF. I'm going to try and get these anagrams correct. <laughs> they trip me up all the time. The I've been working on it. So SWF is the governing body. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, so Scottish women's football, SWF. So it sits alongside but outside of the SFA, which is in itself sometimes a contentious thing in terms of growing the game. But yeah, so you've got SWF at the governing body. Um, they've actually just announced a restructure for next season. So okay. in Scotland, it's a winter season. No, sorry, summer season. So... The season's literally finished at the end of November. Mm. Um, and next season, there will be a top tier of eight teams in the SWPL1. Uh, there'll be an SWPL2 with 10 teams in it. And then underneath that, you'll have a, an SWFL Championship, the Scottish Women's Football League Championship of regionalised level of two leagues um, as a kind of progress. And then you've got things like performance leagues for like up-and-coming talent. And you've got a recreational arm as well for those clubs that are maybe just... They have to play the game and don't have the pressures of like meeting criteria and stuff yeah. like that. Okay, so, so there's one, there's two, and then there's the championship. So the championship's the third, championship's the third, third tier, tier in, but in women's two football. Leagues. So you have a north and south. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so you're involved, I know, with Scottish women's football and with Scottish women's Premier League. Yeah, I mean they're, they're pretty much the same thing, um, but yeah, I, I do both. Okay. <laughs> uh, what does your work with them involve? Um, so mainly it's match day reporting it's covering the games in match day so the the way women's football works in Scotland it's always played on a Sunday um, sometimes and I know there's a lot of ground toppers on here that like listen to this sometimes you can get two games in a day I've pushed two and a half um, uh, that was a very stressful evening though trying to get the work done for it <laughs> but yeah so you would say that that's probably play the games on the Sunday I do the match reports I'll also do some of the social media stuff so big events like cup finals semi-final days um, I'll run the social media channels I'll also do some extra work uh, do some content for programmes and I'm very much somebody who will go and say I think this is a bit 
I don't know what the swearing policy is on actually the team on tour yet. I think uh, just go for it. You can set it. it. Yeah, no yeah. one's no one's sworn Amazing. yet. I don't think. Well, it's, it's always for everything. It's two Scottish folk, and one of them's from Glasgow. So at some it point, it's going to happen. It wouldn't be Scottish. Yeah. It, so yeah. I mean, I, I also do quite a lot of calling out things I think are shit. <laughs> and sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it's not depending on what mood it is when it's received. But yeah, just kind of a bit of everything without actually being everything. If that makes sense. Yeah. I asked. Uh, I asked Sam in episode two about the about writing match reports. Is that something you enjoy doing? No. No, right? Uh, if, if I'm being to- said as well. Yeah, if I'm being totally honest, it is uh, something that needs done. Um, I would much rather not have to do it. Hmm. But at the same time, it's a good thing, especially when you're, you're starting to cover it for the first time. It's a good right way to get out, to meet get everybody it, right? and kind of talk. Yeah. But yeah, I think long term, I'd like that there'd be people that are maybe far more qualified than I am. I mean, I've got some qualifications, but I've only been doing this really as a proper thing now for the last kind of 18 months. Um, to come and actually do the do that bit of it, and I can kind of go and try and work on the growing the game side. Yeah, because I know you. I've, I know I've heard you like interviewing players after the after the game and stuff like that as well. Is that something that's constantly going through your head when you're watching the game? Like, okay, what, what questions <laughs> can I ask? So this is probably why I don't like doing match day report because it probably should. Okay, but, um, I'm I'm a bit of a football fan in general, so sometimes I'll get get to the end of the game and I'll go, I've not really thought this through. Um, and personally I always find as well that sometimes you could ask any question and and you'll get the same answers after a match and I think it's quite hard to come up with interesting questions and I think this is why you see so many this is why people who do really good match day reporting stand out because they can ask the questions that maybe aren't in everybody's head Is is it also the case do you find you know with the interviews that you do that they're not keen to give too much away in their answers. That's obviously something that I always feel is really prominent, like, you know, when you watch interviews on TV with, like, you know, players at the yeah, very top the, level. Let's let's be honest, the conversation when the record button is on is a different conversation from when the record button is off. I think it's probably fair to say. Okay. Now, I know you had been creating women's football content for a while, even before you started working with uh, SWF. And I know that you're far too modest to blow your own trumpet. Yeah. Uh, but I know it was them that approached you to work with them, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you think that kind of, you know, the fact that they approach you to start working with them, does that reflect a general increase in, in media coverage in the last little um, while? I think it probably indicates an awareness that more needs done. Um, I, I mean, the, the, the thing I started doing was a kind of match day preview, a very statistical view. Yeah. Uh, my day job is analytics, so um, it wasn't anything complicated. There isn't a lot of data about for women's football, so it's yeah. not a case of you can do these XG Exorcists and all this kind of stuff. It's very simple. It's some nice looking infographics, though. I, I like them. a wee infographic. Yeah, Anybody knows, knows I like a wee infographic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just started doing them off my own bat. Really out of frustration because I thought, no, nobody's talking about this. And they got in contact and said, look, do you want to do this properly? That was kind of like the entryway into it. And then, yeah, I ended up doing match, match day coverage. I think actually my first night in the job. I just decided to turn up and swinged it <laughs> and just said I was there and nobody really checked it. And then from there, it's, yeah, it's been match day. But over the course of the season, it has, the match day is very much part of what I do. But I enjoy more is finding ways to obviously increase engagement with it. I think that's where I, I, think that's where I add a lot of value, especially like yourself, going to lots of football. Yeah. I know what's good and I know what's bad. Um, so, yeah, that, that certainly helps. Yeah. So alongside your work with SWF, you also continue to do your own stuff. So I've got to ask you about your baby <laughs> leading the line. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what leading the line is and how it's evolved since it began? Well, I mean, leading the line started 10 years ago, if I'm, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, yeah, I remember you mentioned that. <laughs> so I, uh, I did communications at 
university, uh, and then I did radio journalism, um, which is why podcasting kind of is where I've ended up going into a little bit. Uh, and it was just kind of a general football patter website. And then it kind of got to maybe three, four years ago when I just I was losing interest. It wasn't really keeping me in. It was just a bit of a mess. And I decided start of this year that this is maybe a good opportunity to just completely rebrand it, take everything out that's not related to it and make it mm. football-based. And since then, then there's been 50-odd articles. 26 podcasts have gone out this in the second half of this season as well. And I mean, it's, it is my baby. Obviously, I get some of the boys on the podcast and the players are obviously great to speak to as well. Yeah. But in terms of if, if I was to ever shuffle off this mortal coil, um, I don't quite know what would happen to it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Do you find... You know, obviously, it's something that you started doing or focusing on women's football quite recently. Is it quite easy for you to, you know, get the players to come on? They're quite quite receptive to that. It's, you said obviously uh, before yeah, that. Yeah, it's... it's probably easier than I make it. I think it's probably the fair thing to say. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the reasons why I like the the background stuff is I get to be in the background. I'm not. I mean, I'm comfortable. Like, I'll quite happily be the face of stuff and do the talking. Yeah. But it's something that, in an ideal world, I would only do in very rare occasions. Um, but yeah, I'm. I think the, the thing with it, with leading line is, I do it because nobody else is doing it. Um, you get people approaching you to kind of ask you to do stuff. Hmm. And to be honest, a lot of the time I say no now, um, unless I'm going to put money in my pocket, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Um, and obviously, unless you're my pal, like, like you are already. Because what I find is people who want that information then use it to full expertise a little bit. And at that point, I'm a bit, it, it grates a little bit. So leading the line's great because for me, and I've said this to anybody who spoke to me about it, I don't want to be in a position where somebody comes and does something leading the line and I go, I can't give you any money because I know how that feels like and I don't, yeah. I don't want to be in that, that space. Well, it's funny that you said that just before about the kind of full expertise because I, I remember reading a tweet or two from you uh, about you know other people that seem to have... Stolen ideas, shall we say, or um, taking taking things very uh, similar to what you've done. Yeah, no, I mean, I, alone, I don't huh? think. I think one of the things. I think that's maybe a bit, maybe a bit of naivety at the time on my part because I think nobody nobody truly does that. I think you will have people have a lot of the same ideas and maybe just do them in a different way. Hmm. Um, but I think my my thing is there are a lot of females covering Scottish football now um, a lot of international Rachel Corsi the Scotland captain Leanne Crichton yeah. she hosts a, a Friday night football show covering championship game in Scotland so tier 2 but that's covering the men's side of the game and one of the, the big things for me is that you have all these, these experts in women's football and I'm not talking about me I'm mm. talking about actual full blown know it inside out I've known it for years I told you how he was modest <laughs> known it inside out known it for years um, who we're just given an opportunity to promote it in a, in a wider sphere. It'd be great to see, mm. um, and that's 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 kind of where I'd like to see it go. Yeah, as you mentioned, right? You've been podcasting and publishing posts on the website pretty prolifically. Yeah. I think, especially in the last six months or so. Yeah, basically, especially, right? Uh, from the start of the World Cup, where I did uh, the the panini stickers. Oh, that's right. Get yeah. to know this squad. So yeah, basically, <laughs> this. I, I think this was alcohol-based initially in concept. <laughs> uh, so basically opened a pack of stickers and just wrote wee mini bios about all the, the stickers on them. So I did that for a week. And that since kind of then, it's been pretty pretty prolific on the site, yeah. All the best decisions come when they're uh, alcohol-based. Well, 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 best and worst. <laughs> best and worst. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, it's, it's, I think it's great, really great that the work that you're doing. How hard is it for you to find time to kind, kind of continuously keep it up to date? Because obviously, you know, you've got your day job alongside it as well. 
I am so tired quite a lot of the time. <laughs> I didn't realise how tired I was until after the Scottish Cup final, which was the last game of the season, and I kind of got home and I realised I didn't actually have anything. I, need. I mean, there were still two podcasts to do, but I mean, so that's still stuff to do. But in terms of like how my free time goes, uh, yeah, I didn't realise quite how much effort I was putting into it, I think, until maybe just before I came out here, actually, because yeah. to be honest, the season's only really just ended for me just before I came out. just hits you when you stop, doesn't it? I yeah. think that's kind of what happens, to um, me, in my case, anyway. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, well, OK, I'm glad you mentioned that about the season just finishing. So you said before, Scottish women football, the season is our summer season. Yep. So it runs from, is it February? Yeah, November? Uh, start of February uh, until, it's usually kind of, end of October start of November because of the World Cup and Scotland also yeah. hosted the under 19 European Championships that's right yeah. there's an extra month gap this season so season ended a little bit later but it'll be start of February time if the next season starting mm. and usually end of October start of November ok so the season literally finished last week or two weeks ago was yeah, it? yeah pretty much uh, any highlights for you of the season that just finished? There's maybe a very obvious one that's just happened yeah I mean it's, it's hard to not look past the Scottish Cup final I yeah. mean um, so Glasgow City, Scotland's dominant side, have this season won their 13th consecutive SWPL1 title, uh, taking on Hibs, who had won the last seven domestic cups. Yes, last seven domestic oh, was cups. Was it seven? Yeah, I didn't yeah. there were so many. Okay. They, yeah, well, so they'd won two of the last, the last two in the last three seasons. Okay. Plus they won the League Cup earlier on this season. Oh, that's right. So this was really like the biggest, biggest game it could be to end the season. It was at Tynecastle as well. It got a, a record. Scottish Cup final crowd over 3,000, which was the biggest attendance in the UK for a women's game of football that weekend. Even bigger than the much-lauded WSL and their super weekends that get big crowds but um, don't necessarily follow through. Uh, and it was just a fantastic game. Finished 4-3 Glasgow City. It swung back and forth and Glasgow City got a winner in the 90th minute through Claire Shine. A fantastic goal to win it. Yeah, I mean, if you were to make up a dream scenario for how you would want to pitch Scottish women's football and you had that game to do it. I mean, I, I genuinely don't think it could have done much more. Just perfect way to end the season, was it? Oh, it was immense. Yeah. I, I, I was genuinely buzzing at the end of it and I didn't even have a horse in the race. I was actually there just trying to keep up with all the social media channels um, making sure that everything was going out. Yeah. So what do you what do you do now that the season's over? You've got a bit of down, downtime, apart from coming out to Madrid and, and eat lots of uh, tapas and I was say, drink well, plenty of canyas. Well, so this is the first thing I've deliberately not gone away until something has been complete. So um, this is the first thing I kind of waited until the season. The first thing I went was like, well, I go over to Madrid. Obviously, I used to live over here and lots of people I know over here as well, which is great. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know. I think I'm just going to get Christmas out of the way. Um, I have plans to go to a couple of WSL games in the break. But Scottish season come back, in terms of pre-season, comes back quite quickly. It's kind of middle of January and it's back again. So... Um, we'll see what happens uh, but yeah I think it's very much a, a rest rest phase have a wee think probably about how leading the line can be better and how how to maybe monetise it let's be honest um, got to be done but yeah we'll see what happens great well I know you've also had some uh, other football related projects that you've worked on over the years uh, are there any any others that you're still working on at the moment or, or do you want to tell us about the ones that you, you had before um, I, I suppose uh, the one of Greatest notoriety, the one that, <laughs> as was discovered this weekend, when uh, when Lester, who's obviously been on the podcast before, is introducing me to some folk, is um, pies. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he called you the pie man. The pie man, yeah. So that's that's a, that's a, that's a common name for for my introduction. <laughs> yeah. So again, alcohol based decision. Um, 
I was sitting in my flat in, in Glasgow with, uh, with one of my mates, and he he knows I go to a lot of football. And I can't remember. I think he. I think we were talking about what we'd been up to during the week, and I said I'd been at a game of football like three out of the four nights or something like that. He said, "How many pies do you?" Eat? And I went, "I don't know, mate. I just, just I've, I've not had my dinner. I'll have a pie." And uh, this is getting very Scottish because I'm now going into conversation mode. I've just realised. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I said, "No, I said I bet you can't eat fifty in a season." And I was like, "Deal." If anyone makes that bet, you're you're obviously going to try and yeah, yeah. try and beat it, aren't you? So he, he, he said it to me, and I was like, "Okay, cool, deal. We'll do that." And then I was like. If I'm going to do this, I might as well, you know, make not, not just do over. 51, but you've got to do. Like... Yeah, well, so I didn't even. The blog was was an afterthought after the bet. It wasn't until maybe a couple of weeks down the line I was like, I mean, I'm doing this, and I do it about writing. I've also got a background in journalism, so I'm always kind of looking for things to to kind of find. That maybe has an angle on it. So yes, yeah, I did the, the the website meatfrogpastries.com. There you go, there's a plug for it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's at Pi 187 at the moment. That's just new. 187? Yeah, that's just new. Um, so there has been more pies consumed in that time. Mm. But I, I got to st- Initially, I was doing it for every pie. But I just, I told, I, this is a self imposed rule that I didn't need to do. I told myself this was cheating. So I had to be a new pie. So, <laughs> pie fi- funny story about Pi 50. So, Pi 50 was in Aloha Athletic. Okay. Um, but it was also the same day as I'd been a judge at the World Scottish Pie Championships. So, wait, wait, wait. How, how do you get to become a judge at the World? What did you say? The World, World Scottish Pie Championships. The World Scottish Pie Championships. Yeah. So that came about because somebody got in contact with me uh, to say, "Oh, I see you do this football thing about pies. Do you want to come along? We have a football category." So, right. do, you want, do you want to come along and be involved in football category? And I was like, "Sure, no, no problem at all." So. Go out, uh, go out to Dunfermline, you know, Kingdom of Fife for it. Uh, yeah, and I was coming back, so I'd had 49 pies that day as well. 49 pies? Yeah, not full pies, let's, let's oh. be clear. It was like, you know, enough to taste. Now we know how you called the pie man. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think I'd do okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was in Aloha and I was like, pretty funny to see I had 50 pies today. <laughs> so I got a pie and yeah, I, that, that was pie 50 at Aloha Athletic. But yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the competition judging is been a, an evolution of that. Uh, I also judge at Scottish Baker of the Year um, now as well, which is pretty cool. Okay. And I ended up in the telly, which is again very strange. But yeah. Can we can we can we find this anywhere? Can we dig this out somewhere? Oh, I don't know. I was on, I was on STV Glasgow, so it was on like lo- local local television. Okay. But I mean, there's clips about. I know like, I've got a DVD of it because somebody made one for me. Right. I didn't ask for one. I just got given one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's around, but that was maybe that was a few years ago now. But yeah, this is the seventh season of it. Okay, so 187 in, in seven seasons. That's yeah. I'm not, I can't do them. And a, there let's, was let's like a, an 18 month period where I kind of chucked it for a little bit because it was getting a bit much being asked about pies every two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kind of gave it a wee, a wee breather, and as I said. Over time, it gets a bit more difficult as well because a lot of the places that I will have gone to already, so I'm going to go a little bit further. Afield. I've had to cross the border down to England a couple of times this season. I've gone to Carlisle and Workington. Right. Uh, I went over to Dublin as well. I've just realised how seriously I take this. I went to Dublin for 36 hours because I thought, oh, I'll get a, a new game of football and a pie. And a pie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, hoping to get to 200 and then 200, I think maybe it'll be a, a wee take stop. Do you try and make sure, like, kind of milestones are maybe pies that you've been looking forward to eating or pies that you've heard good things about I deliberately to make like a made, special... Yeah, well, I deliberately made pie 100, the Kelly pie, so the Kermarnock pie is very oh, notorious in yeah. Scotland. 
I mean, it's good, uh, whether it's the best pie around. I've never been, I've never been to no. Kelly. So yeah, the Kelly pie is very notorious. There was also a big legal wrangling between the providers and Kamarnock FC or trademarks. Uh, I wrote an article actually on Meatville Pastries about the history of pie in Bovo, and it, it covers that in depth as well. So if you are going to the website, you have a wee look for that as well. Okay, I'm definitely going to check that out when we get home tonight. <laughs> um, no, I do, I do miss a nice pie actually, because in Spain, as you said, you don't really, you know, you don't, you don't get this. Yeah, uh, I mean, to be fair though, during, during the Spanish kind of spring, summer, early autumn, the last thing I would want is a, 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 a roast yeah. hot pie in Bovo. Yeah, I uh, I took my girlfriend to Spanish to uh, a game, a Scottish game. Uh, last Christmas, and introduced her to pie and bovro, and the look on her face when she tasted bovro was an absolute <laughs> picture, uh, as you can uh, as you can imagine. Yeah, so uh, we should probably clarify what bovro is. Well, yeah, maybe I was going to say maybe we should. <laughs> well, you're, you're you're the expert. You you. Well, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's kind of like gravy. <laughs> yeah. Way of putting it. So a beef drink. Um, beef and yeast malt. There's something. Yeast, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so I mean that was invented by a Scottish guy as well. Uh, Best inventions, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Television, pies, bubble. What else do you need? <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, right, I realise we've got seriously sidetracked. Here. <laughs> it always happens. Um, <laughs> start talking about food. That's just what. Uh, that's just what happens. Uh, well, just going back to obviously the, the women's game in Scotland. How would you say that the women's game has changed in Scotland since you kind of started taking an interest in it? I mean, it's better. I think quality-wise, it's better. Um, I think it is better in terms of organisation and the match day. Is it good enough yet? No. And that's my honest answer. And it's one of the things that I still sometimes have to juggle is the honest opinion with making sure I keep people on side. Yeah. Um, But I think think maybe that's what's now needed in women's football a little bit is there's lots of people with really good intentions that do lots of good work and literally blow me away sometimes with the amount of work people put into women's football for no return. Women's football is amateur in Scotland. Um, That will change. Um, Rangers are offering semi-pro contracts for the start of next season and Hibs, Celtic, Glasgow City, they will all need to react to that to keep up um, because the opportunity to earn money from women's football is a first in Scotland. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. So it looks like Rangers will be going down an international route with that and I think maybe something Celtic will do as well. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how that does. But it's definitely better the crowds can fluctuate. I was just going to, I was going to ask you about that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's been times I've gone to an SWPL1 games with top tier and 50 folk, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And there's other times I've gone to maybe 300. 300's a good number. It's quite a good crowd, Yeah, it's a very good yeah. number, yeah. Do you think clubs do enough to attract fans to games or, or are there things that they do at the moment or are there more, that, are there more things that they could do to get people to go along? Yes and no. So I, I think I think as I said, everybody who's doing it does. I think the problem you've got is Scottish women's football is a volunteer culture. You nobody gets paid for Scottish women's football, yep. um, uh, and the people that do are tend to have something that involves so many things that it'd be quite hard for them to just focus in one area. I my big kind of the board of contention is um, the the more of kind of one club that some some teams use. Uh, where they have a men's side and a men's affiliate and the, the women's team is part of that, but yet yeah, they don't share the resource and the resource is actually all focused on uh, on the men's side and then the women's team's kind of an afterthought or if they can't get a student in to do it for them, then they'll just they don't bother it in. Um, so I'd like to see more of that. I think 
it feels like from what I've been told that there are going to be some clubs who are doing a bit more in that respect. And I also know a couple of folk who have been doing club media for the women over the course of the season that right. are, are now kind of doing some men's stuff in the off-season. And I hope that that also, obviously naturally, because they've been involved in both, should see it come back again in terms of in terms of what gets covered. But yeah, I think there's always been more. I'm a big advocate of you need to be able to tell people where it's going to be, what time it's going to be and how much it's going to cost. It's kind and, of the basics, isn't it? Yeah. And to be honest with you, the basics sometimes aren't there. Yeah. Um, but... They're, they're, they're bringing in some initiative match day the delegates are going to be a good thing so that all this stuff should be there but we'll see I, I'm always optimistic but I'm always optimistic with the caveat as I've seen it before um, so until I actually see it in action we'll, we'll see what happens One thing I wanted to ask you about was because obviously well we're, I think both of us are very active on Twitter Yeah. Um, do most football clubs have separate Twitter accounts for men's teams or women's teams and, and I don't know is that, is that something you think helps if they do. I think they should. Um, and I'll give an example for the reason for this. Yeah. Um, most clubs do. Yeah, um, Motherwell didn't this season. And their women's team got totally lost. Um, yeah. Uh, they, Motherwell, men's side, do some really good social media content. Yeah, they're good, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they do some good stuff. But the women's team had nothing. Um, they would put out a tweet an hour before the game and then the result an hour after the game. And that, that would be it. Um, I believe that it looks like they're going back to separate accounts, which I think is a great thing. But I think one of the things when you're asking about going the game is a lot of these clubs have big social media followings. Yeah. And I think one of the things that clubs need to ask is how can we convert some of these into people coming into the ground? Um, Glasgow City obviously a massively successful, massively successful side, but on a match day, a couple of hundred maybe. Oh, really, yeah. Yeah, so, but they have over 10,000 followers. They rank very highly in the Deportiva Financias, uh, rations for social media. I think they were ranked 16th or something like that in Europe in terms of all women's football. So, okay. Um, and also, they've got success. So, I think for me, that'd be my question is, are we, as people involved in the game or as clubs, looking at actually, yeah, engagement's fantastic, but is it enough to actually get people to come to the games? Just coming on to the national team, Scotland had never qualified for a major tournament until Euro 2017 and yep. now they made it to two in a row so they're obviously played in the World Cup for the first time just this this year summer 2019 um, what could you put the recent success down to? Um, good foundations um, so Anna Singnell who was the manager at Euro 2017 she kind of came in kind of with a remit that was very similar to what the kind of Rainer Bonhoff era of men's side was meant to do oh I remember those days yeah well I don't know if that's a good thing or not yeah <laughs> well she was far more successful at it I think it's fair to say um, so that qualification for Euro 2017 was very much the culmination of that um, then Shelley here took the job over uh, obviously after her and she's obviously carried on that success into the World Cup we won't talk about exactly how that ended but um, oh we well, might do eh <laughs> <laughs> um, but then also they, they, they've gone into the Euro qualifiers for 2021 which is in England top seeded in a group um, they've started really strongly played the two weakest sides in the group that's, I think that's very fair to say but uh, in Finland and Portugal they've got good challenges but teams that they should be able to beat uh, so yeah I think it's just been I think the, the thing with Scottish women's football is the kind of ground up is okay it, it definitely can be f- better but in yeah. terms of the talent that's available in Scottish women's football just now it's incredible uh, the WSL is probably now the best league in the world I would say, I mean, yeah. you've still got the NWSL in America, but the English WSL and the top teams in Scotland, in that league are littered with Scotland players. Oh, Scottish players, yeah. Yeah, Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea, they all they all have established international and key players for their sides. It's not a case of people making up the numbers. So that's it, we're going to win the Euros? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> 
How, uh, how big a role do you think the, the World Cup has had on people's interest in women's football in Scotland? Do you think, I don't know, have you noticed a difference of people's attitudes towards it changed? Maybe a little bit in the months leading up to it, because I know there was quite a lot of anticipation yep. for the World Cup, and obviously since then as well. Yeah, I mean, so obviously they got 18,000 plus at, at Hamden for the Jamaica game, yeah, the kind of send-off game. That was, I decided to go as a, a punter that day. I didn't want to do any work. I just wanted to go and kind of feel how it was like, and that just was great. It, yeah. um, another great game, actually. Scotland won 3-2. Um, and yeah, I think there was a heightened interest. I think what was disappointing to see is when the, the season came back after the summer World Cup breaks for the Euro 19s, and even actually the Euro 19 championships that we hosted in Scotland, it was the same four or five faces at, at these kind of venues covering the games. And yeah. It shouldn't be as easy as me starting up a website by myself to be in a position where I, I cover as much as I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed in that regard. Uh, but I think there is more interest in it. I think I'd love more positive interest in it. I think there's still very much a, a tendency, and maybe it's a very Scottish trait. It's a very UK trait, I think, actually, is... Maybe if something is not great, that seems a lot easier to talk about and dwell on than if something. Off. Yeah, than if something's like criticism rather than constructive criticism. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to see a bit more of that. I'm hoping that, as I said, there's going to be a bit of a, a coming together before the start of this season with all the clubs, with the organisation, hopefully with all the media outlets that, that should be covering the game to try and get yeah. a consensus on what is needed going forward. There's a big bit of investment meant to be coming. That's been held up far too long as far as I'm concerned. This was a, a windfall from the World Cup. We should be capitalising on that. Mm. And this money's not getting looked at until 2020. And then who knows when that's actually going to come into play. Yeah. Um, I know you didn't want to talk about it. How was your, how was your World Cup experience? I, I mean, it was good. Uh, mainly because I decided not to stay on for the, the Scotland-Argentina <laughs> game. Uh, but yeah, it was good. I, mean, I went over for a week. I, I, well, the funny thing is when I, went, when I booked it to go over, it was more just a kind of thing of, um, I'm just going to go over... World Cup, Scotland haven't qualified for it, and I'd actually never been to France. I mean, I get around a bit, but France, for some reason, is one of these places they've never been to. Uh, and then by the time World Cup came around, I'd obviously got quite involved in women's football, and all of a sudden it felt a bit more real. Um, so yeah, I got to the Scotland-Japan game in Ren, met a lot of people, had a good time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was... It was great for lots of reasons, but I think... As always is the case, anybody who's in women's football will have gone around some of the stadiums, gone around some of the cities and kind of thought, well, maybe it could have been more. Yeah, well, because obviously I was there with you and yeah. I think in Paris in particular, we were commenting on it. And, uh, you know, if you didn't know it was on, apart from in a couple of specific areas where you've got the fan zones, I think yeah, it was yeah. quite hard to know there was the women's football going on. Maybe in some of the smaller cities, it was maybe a bit more obvious, was it? Not, 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 not. I mean, Ren, Ren was quite good, uh, but Ren, it was very easy to walk from the train station to the main square to the ground. I know a couple of people have said that, especially for the Scotland England game in Nice, that because the ground was a bit out of town, um, they felt like you wouldn't have really known that much about it. Yeah. But I think you, I was very positive in terms of the the profile. Obviously, record numbers watching it, raised profile women's game. I think you've got household names. I was. Talk about on the podcast the other week, we were looking for like who was a breakout star of 2019, and I said Erin Cuthbert, and if you're a women's football fan, you know she's a very good footballer, but if you're not a women's football fan, now you do. Of course. Yeah. And she has that personality that attracts so many people as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, how would you assess the Scotland performance in the World Cup in general? Um, they, they shat it. <laughs> um, it's not be uh, it's not yeah. be around the bush. <laughs> uh, 
I think England and Japan would always be two very difficult games. I think you go into it optimistically, as you always do. Um, but I think the expectation was that Argentina game was the moment. And to be 3 0 up with so little time left and to throw it away. And then, it doesn't course, get more Scotland than no. that. And of course, look, it, I know I said they shot it. They, there was. I think a few things that maybe just didn't go right that day. And then we can also always dwell on that, the penalty in the final moments where Lee Alexander saved the first one and then VIR ruled it out for our heel being slightly off the line. That's right, yeah. But I think you've got to look at it as a positive experience in retrospect. Um, it's something that's never happened before. All those players that suffered that, they'll, they'll learn from it. Yep. Um, Shelly Kerr will learn from it from my game management, I'm sure, as well. I think the consensus is that, yeah, that, that game should have been managed down a little bit better. But... Here it's football, and we're Scotland fans, and you know, kind of used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cause, I mean, between the men's team, who I think have been knocked out in goal difference, like or the the group stages, like three or four times. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the women's team, who <laughs> it was, just, well, was it also it, goal difference. I think it was goal difference. No, no, because only, only ended up with one point. I only ended up one point. So if right. we'd won won three 0 if we'd won three two, we still would have got. We'd have three. Yeah. But that's yeah. that's the fine margins. But yeah, I, I realise I sound really harsh by saying chatter. I don't mean a lot of that, but. That was my my instant reaction um, was oh, I can't believe it we've done this uh, yeah. but yeah good times ahead I, I, it's one of the things that um, I, I talk about quite a lot is the Scotland men's team as we both know are fairly rubbish at the moment yep. Scottish women's team are quite good, quite good and yeah. good to watch yep. and win games so I mean it's a total no-brainer for me in terms of if you're a Scotland fan and you want to you know Feel good about yourself. Go well, I think you team. mentioned it. You know, the game just before the World Cup. Yeah. How, what was the crowd? Eighteen thousand. Eighteen thousand. I think yeah. some of the men's qualifiers are probably. Uh, yeah, not, not miles off much that. More than that eh? Yeah, I think it was maybe nineteen for the maybe Kazakhstan 19, game, yeah, um, yeah. which I, I put myself through. Actually, the Kazakhstan game was the first time I left Hamden relatively positive for maybe <laughs> about three years. Quite so a long time. Eh? Quite a long time. Uh, what do you think are the main challenges for the the women's game in Scotland? Just looking to the future. Perception. It's perception. Um, I am never not astounded by how quickly people will dismiss something that they don't know anything about. Um, I find it very insular that there is teams that promote their own side. So a good example of recent times, Hearts won the SWPL2 title, so second division title, um, and they had their players turning up at uh, their last game uh, to parade the trophy. Fantastic yeah. moment. Great achievement. Hearts are one of definitely the more most openly progressive clubs I mean there are other clubs progressive but they shout about it a lot and that's kind of what you need to do a lot about women's football but then you saw the replies on Twitter and you have people like this is a joke why are you wasting your time with this I don't care it's it's hard it's perception and I think in Scotland in particular the perception feels like it's a lot harder to change uh, and I think that can only change by going back to the match day by making the match day as enjoyable as possible by getting the coverage out there and BBC Alba do a fantastic job but BBC Alba are a Gaelic language so the kind of native language that nobody speaks of Scotland yeah. um, and get some English language coverage out there yeah I just think that's that's a big one it's changing the perception and I think once perceptions change you will get people giving it a try and, I mean that's happened already you're not going to t- change everybody's minds at once and I think at the same time you shouldn't expect everybody to be interested into it but you did get a carryover from the World Cup. You do have people more interested in it. And you make the most of it, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Glasgow City won their 13th league title in a row just yeah. this season. Why have they become so dominant? And is that a problem? Um, I, it's only been a problem because the other clubs have not risen to the challenge. 
If I, I mean, totally honest, that, that's it. Glasgow City were the, the innovators of women's football in Scotland. Uh, modern women's football in Scotland, let's, let's not get too grandiose. But um, they are the ones that really took the, took the bull by the horns and made themselves a club. They obviously stand alone as well, they don't have no male affiliate. Um, so I think their success, you can sometimes look at it and go, is this great? But at the same time, you have clubs in that league. Hibs, I mean, Hibs have risen to the challenge. They, they ran them really close a couple of seasons ago. Um, they've also won, dominate the Cups. It's not like Glasgow City dominating everywhere. Um, and then you have teams like Rangers and Celtic, Kamarnock, Motherwell, St. Johnson, all, all your kind of normal big teams who haven't risen to it. And in particular, I find that the, the lack of investment and notice paid especially by let's talk about the old firm because old firm is a big brand if you get an old firm women's game oh, that was my next question sorry, at yeah. Celtic well, go, sorry. Ahead. go ahead <laughs> so if you get an old firm uh, game at, at Celtic Park or at Ibrox for the women's game that'll sell out no danger absolutely um, but they have been very poor as far as I'm concerned up until recently they have been very very poor in terms of promoting the game and the brand that they can, they have and they can use, and whether you like them or not, and whether you like some of the things that will come with that, which has cropped up a couple of times this season, that's something you've got a challenge if you want to grow the game. You can't expect to just grow something and not have challenges along the way. Yeah, I know us non-old firm fans don't always like to admit it, but obviously it is, it is something that's important. And um, well, you mentioned until now they've not done anything, but that's that's starting to change a little bit, isn't it, with Celtic and Rangers? Yeah, I mean, Celtic announced that we're going to kind of semi-pro start of the season. It's not really come to pass, and they've actually just uh, announced that their manager's leaving them, Eddie Lecky Black, who is part of the kind of early successes of, of Glasgow City. So it's interesting to see where the next step will be. Rangers are managed by Gregory Vigneault, formerly of Liverpool and, and Rangers, a uh, French fullback. Um, so he's he's changing things a bit there. And Amy McDonald, who was the manager prior, she's now gone into like an oversight role, kind of director of football for women's the women's game. Yeah. So they are both putting more effort into it. But as I said earlier on, until you actually see it happening, you always you always kind of approach it with caution. I think it's probably the first thing to say. Okay, um, I just wanted to quickly just talk about the Champions League uh, as well because I know they've announced that they're going to change the format of the Champions League starting in 2021. Yeah. Um, how, do you feel about the, how do you feel about the change? Um, I, as a... Huh. I know we were debating <laughs> about whether to explain what the change is, and we can well, be well, here for so quite the, a while. I mean, the change... Uh, <laughs> so the UEFA Women's Champions League at the moment is from the last 32 stage straight knockout, so two-leg knockout, old school. It's like old-school European yeah, old cup, school. isn't it? Yeah. Um, the problem you've got is there's still a big differentiating in quality across the continent. Um, so the, the new format is going to include group stages from the last 16 forward. Um, however, it is getting dangerously close to what the quote-unquote male Champions League is, mm. in that there will be three t- teams from the biggest leagues in Europe and a country like Scotland, uh, where Glasgow City are in the quarterfinals of this year's tournament, so last eight, only amateur team in the last eight. Yeah. Um, we'll have to do some qualifying gymnastics to get to the, the, the money end of the tournament. Let's, let's be honest, that's what it is. Um, and even at that, I think you're still going to have group stages where you're going to have the big teams kind of handing out some doings. Yeah. Um, yeah, from, from a growing the game and a commercial centre, I think the biggest thing for it is it's going to centralise the market on TV. So at the moment, it is near impossible to try and watch Women's Champions League football. Um, the centralisation of the, the market on TV, I think, can only be a good thing. But yeah, as a Scottish football fan, I'm concerned. Um, and I'm concerned that we'll have a, a women's conference league in 2025. It's basically the same thing as what happened with yeah. the male Champions League. Exactly. But at the same time, ago, yeah. there is an argument to say that that should jolt countries like Scotland into action because 
Scotland was ahead of a lot of these nations, like Spain, Italy. Scotland, Scotland were ahead of these teams yep. uh, for, for quite a while, and now they've just zoomed ahead and they've used the power of the brands at their disposal. So Serie A La Liga are obviously massive brands. Obviously, yeah. it's now called, it's the Primera and Serie A Feminina. But um, that's, that's something they've done, and I think that's why Scotland needs to maybe get their finger out a little bit. How big a step up is it for the likes of Glasgow City or I know Hibs yeah. played Champions League as well? How big a step up is it for them to play compared to what they're used to playing every every week? Very. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that Glasgow City at the moment uh, only have Hibs and Celtic that on their day. I mean, Celtic ended their 70-plus game unbeaten run in the league. It spanned three seasons um, recently, but those are the only two sides that really give them any kind of challenge. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, that might change. Um, and they are then going into Europe to play full-time side. So Hibs went through qualifying. Um, they were playing same level, and they were through in qualifying Slovenia, but then they took on Sparta Prague, who got to the quarterfinals the last two seasons. Slavia Prague, sorry, not Sparta Prague. Slavia Prague in the quarterfinals the last two seasons, and um, it, they got they got pretty well beaten. But, I mean, it was one of those ones where, actually, they got well beaten, but it wasn't terrible. And then Glasgow City have done really well, because Chertanovo from Russia, who they knocked out in the, in the last 32, and then Bromby in the last 16, both full-time sides. Glasgow City aren't. They have a couple of players who have have some contracts. It makes it a little bit easier for them. Um, but, yeah, the fact that in the last eight... I mean, they're playing Wolfsburg, who have won the tournament twice... There is no illusion underneath anybody who watches women's football in Scotland, watches Glasgow City, plays for Glasgow City, that it's going to be a tough uh, couple of legs by in March time. Because I was going to say there's a massive break between the quarterfinals, which are in March, yep. and the last 32, no, the last 16. 16, which yeah, was Yeah, so the in... last 16 was, uh, was Glasgow City qualified on Halloween, so I was, uh, I was at the end of the last 16, okay. and as you say, it's March time until then, and I don't really know why it's that big a gap um, I'm guessing it's to kind of facilitate the different seasons because there are some that work different different rotations I guess that one of the things for Glasgow City as well is they could have a quite a different team come March time compared to the potentially, team potentially yeah I think though that the fact that they've got to the last eight is a big enough carrot to kind of see people through to people stick around yeah yeah I think probably what you then look at is then what happens in the summer hmm. okay on a personal level uh, any objectives that you've got for leading the line 2020? Um, nah, just keep doing it. I think that's probably the plan. I, uh, I think probably it's fair to say that this was all. Uh, this season's been very much leading the line beta. It's a bit, bit, of beta, okay. beta, bit of beta testing. Try some things, I've tried some other things. I think um, it's serving a purpose. Um, there's only a couple of other sites in Scotland that kind of do that kind of same thing. You've got How's Your Touch, who kind of produce a lot of content. Um, yeah. And anyone's game, which has kind of tailed off a little bit, I think it's kind of leading lines taking that mantle on a little bit in that regard. But yeah, just keep people interested in it. I'd love to get some more kind of players and people involved in the game on it. Um, and that's an avenue that I probably need to explore a bit more. But it's definitely something I can do. Well, I've got to say, and I'm not just saying this because you're my mate, but also uh, some of the stuff that you've you've put out, I think, has really been brilliant quality. Um, so you know, if if and when I said this on Twitter, if and when the Scottish women's football boom happens, I think you guys, you and and Campbell, I think it's as well. Yeah, because he's one of you as well. You guys, <laughs> especially Campbell, should, should be right at the forefront of it because I really uh, very impressed with like all the stuff that you've been been putting out. So it's been 
been really good. Right, well, we're going to stop there because we've got a game to go to. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, thank you so much for coming over. I know you've flown all this way out to Madrid just to come on the podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That I'll was the main there. reason for your, your visit. Sorry I couldn't pay for your flights. No, that's okay. I'll, um, I'll just claim it's bucket. <laughs> where, do we, where, where do people need to follow you and, and lead in the line? Yeah, so you can follow me at MFP Tasty. Um, that's kind of pies and football, mainly women's sports, Spanish and Scottish. And then at leading the line, I couldn't believe my luck when I went to go check it and nobody had used that as a as an at. So considering people were trying to buy the website name off me a while ago, I was absolutely delighted with that. So yeah, at leading the line for all your Scottish women's football content. Well, you heard the man. If you're a women's football fan, a Scottish football fan, a Spanish football fan, or of course, a pie fan, and who isn't, let's be honest, then get following Chris on social media. So the game that we mentioned during the podcast was Atletico Madrid's women's team against Athletic Club's women's team, and that was played at Atletico's new Ciudad Deportiva Wanda, hate that name, in Arcala de Henares. And to be honest, we had an absolutely brilliant morning down there, so it was a great setup, an entertaining game, a really good atmosphere, and it's definitely one to add to the list of grounds to visit that Leicester and I went over in the first podcast a few weeks ago. I really recommend it. Anyway, thank you for listening. If you've not subscribed to the podcast already on your favourite podcasting platform, then please do so right now. Follow the team on tour on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You name it, you'll find it. And I'll be back next week for the last episode before the Christmas break. You do not want to miss that one. I'll speak to you then.